I would say first, if you're going to get into land, go driving for dollars. Okay. Um, and you can, you can maybe explain that a little bit more better than I could. Um, but actually getting out there when you're doing land and looking at it in person is, is huge for most people. Gotcha. Um, you start recognizing utilities, you start recognizing, you know, um, uh, you know, shape of the area, shape of the ground level. <clears throat> you can see a Creek if there, maybe it's in a flood zone. Um, so you can kind of start visualizing that and seeing what it looks like. Um, and then plus look, look for pieces of land that are in a neighborhood where the grass is overgrown. Um, mm. you know, there's, there's no house there. You know, the, the neighbor doesn't have a fence going around it as well, you know, um, and just look for like things that look out of place. are now listening to the Your First Steps Podcast. It's great to talk about million-dollar dreams, but where do we start? How do we get there? Listen up. As you hear directly from real estate industry leaders on how they reach success in their fields, and most importantly, what were their first steps? Let's get this party started. Here's your host, Eli the Real Estate Guy. Hey, how's it going, guys? Thank y'all so much for tuning in to another episode of the Your First Steps podcast. I'm super excited to have this guest today. Uh, I have been following him on social media for a little bit now, probably a, a couple months, uh, uh, about a month or so, and I've just seen him explode. He's giving a lot of great information on social media, and so I, I was super excited to have him on. So uh, when it comes to, uh, he's a land uh, investor, he's a business owner, and just overall amazing uh, content creator. So today we have Evan Price. Evan, how you doing today, man? Good. Thanks for having me on, man. I really appreciate it. Absolutely, absolutely. One of my first big podcasts. There you go. <laughs> awesome, awesome, man. Well, we're not big yet, but one day. Well, one day we're gonna be big. Hey, right? you're big to me. There you go. I'll take it. I'll take it. Uh, so just to let you guys know about how I found uh Evan. So I was actually on Facebook one day, uh, and you know, as I'm just scrolling through, I see a guy, you know, with a similar hat that he has on now, and he's talking about land wholesaling. And so he goes in, he's describing all these things that I don't think about, right? Like when it comes to, uh, you know, looking at gas lines and uh, seeing the value of certain properties compared to this and that and things that you just don't think about. That's that's what I was like. Okay, you know what? Let me let me follow him and let me just see what he's doing. And then as video after video after video just came out uh, and how valuable this information was, because I'm not really seeing this type of information in other places on social media. Uh, so I decided to go ahead and uh, you know reach out to him. Uh, but uh, before we get into uh, the businesses and 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 you know everything else, I'll have him introduce himself. So uh, Evan, let us know about uh, yourself and introduce yourself to the people that uh, may not know who you are. Yeah, man, definitely. Thanks. Uh, I grew up on a farm up in North Dakota when I, in my early childhood. So uh, parents still farm about, I think they farm about 7,000 acres today and run about 1,500 head of cattle. So I've always wow. had the land background in me. Um, after after I got, uh, oh, I'll, go, I'll go ahead and say the dad always said that, you know, if you don't love farming, don't do it your whole life because you learn to hate it. So I never stayed long enough to learn to hate it. <laughs> so gotcha. okay. tur turned 18, went to college, figured that figured out pretty quickly that that wasn't for me. Uh, went into utility development, uh, doing gas lines, oil lines, eventually got into fiber optic. Uh, for I did that for about 10 years. And then in 2021, I decided that I wanted my own business. I was building everybody else's companies. 
and uh i didn't know i even i didn't even know what i was gonna do i was just like i really want my own business so i actually quit without knowing what i was gonna do had a pretty good nest egg save no kids no uh no wife never you know so I left and had a couple of different ideas. I was going to start maybe running dumpsters around the around town or I just, I just wanted something. Right. Right. And my buddy uh, down here in San Antonio, he's like, Hey man, you need to come down and see what I'm doing. I'm doing big land deals. Oh. And I was like, okay, I don't know anything about real estate, but uh, he goes, no man, you'll be perfect at it. He goes, you have a land background from farming. You did utilities. You'll be great at this. So I was like, whatever. I was like, didn't have anything better to do, not having right. a job or anything, right? So gotcha, gotcha. Down here to go. San Antonio, and uh, yeah, we, I, I started learning from him, and I was like, man, I could do this. This, this is go. right. I got a, nice. I got a background in this, right? So I jumped in, start learning flipping lots. Uh, I did a couple houses, flipped a couple houses here and there, but my main focus was uh, a land, and and then I ran across a big old land deal, um, in the millions, and I was like. I got this. I know what uh, I know what to do here. So <laughs> gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. I love it, man. Awesome, yeah. awesome. So now it's it's starting to all make sense as to why you have so much of this wealth of information because you had a previous experience when it came to uh, utility development, knowing where gas yeah. lines run, knowing where front. That makes a lot more sense, and that makes you super dangerous when it comes to uh, <laughs> this, this land business. So that, that's, that's really awesome. So uh, you mentioned that uh, you uh, were you know, raised on a farm in North Dakota. So explain what that was like growing up in that, that price household. What, what was that like uh, growing up day to day? Just kind of explain the day in the life of, you know, young price. Man, uh, people, most people don't understand what farming actually means. Everybody's like, I would love to do farming. You know, you got all these dreams of let's, let's go farm and, uh, for me, it was like almost a little bit of a, like a hell on earth, <laughs> Oh my gosh. you know, like, <laughs> like okay. I see all my, fr- I grew up in a power plant town in North Dakota. So uh, mm. we had a class of about 65 kids and I was the only kid that I was like a real true farmer. Um, mm. so I'd see all my kids, all, all my friends running around doing sports and, you know, driving their motorcycles and inviting me to come over and I'm out here sitting in a field going gotcha. back and forth back and forth you right, know? Right, right. so i mean i i i do like enjoy you know uh running equipment that kind of thing um but back then like i, I didn't realize that i was like man i just want to go go hang out with my friends so yeah yeah you know i I'm, hey uh first world problems right yeah yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. gotcha gotcha great, yeah great yeah. family great upbringing <laughs> just uh just always wanted so grass the grass was always greener on the other side of the fence, exactly you know? <laughs> exactly right right so so it's interesting so like you're saying uh people would you know being in the city people would take field trips out to the farm and they're just like it's just so different on the other side so you probably looked at city life like man they'll just be so awesome yeah i can yeah. just do these things but yeah so so yeah. I, I, I totally get it and there's always the whole grass and green on the other side but you learned uh, a lot of skills uh, while yeah. you're on the farm. So what are some things that you would say that you learned on the farm that you're able to apply to, uh, your, your life now? Man, just, uh, just take, taking care of land, you know, mm-hmm. uh, like th- the biggest thing I could, you know, imply now that I learned there was hard work, a uh, very blue collar mindset. Like my parents, even to this day and older brother, 
they do everything themselves. And that's probably a, something that's hurting me because I want to uh-huh. do everything myself versus going out and hiring employees and doing all right. that. Uh-huh. Um, but, uh, but yeah, that hard work, I mean, especially when we got to like into, into uh, working for a business, they're just like, man, this guy just keeps going. Like, right. He just never stops. Like everybody else is 40 hours a week. They're like, man, I'm tired. Uh-huh, and uh-huh. over Evans over here, like, hey man, what can we do next? <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> gotcha. So got I'm on 40 hour warm up. Hard work, man. That's that's the biggest thing, you know. That dad, dad mm-hmm. always told us when we grew up, he's a man, you guys can be the president, the vice president, the CEO of any organization you want to be, because nobody's gonna be able to outwork you. Uh... You know. Okay. And gotcha. he was right about that. He really trained us for that. <laughs> gotcha. I love it. And so now uh, going into uh, land. So you explained what uh, that your friend introduced you to land uh, mm-hmm. investing. Was he also developing land or was he just basically flipping land? Uh, so what he was doing was doing ranchette subdivides, which means mm-hmm. anything in Texas that's over 10 acres, you can, can you can consider agricultural land and get agricultural exemptions on those land um so you don't really have to even go plot anything with the counties or any of that you just let them know that this is agricultural land and i'm selling it as is right so he was taking 100 plus acres subdividing it 10 times and then with that uh smaller parcel you were able to sell it for a larger price per acre so he was going out and buying yeah he'd buy like 100 acres for 10 grand turn around subdivide it tell the county where the new lot lines are and then sell it for 18, 20,000 an acre. Wow. Now, okay. So this brings up a, a very interesting uh, question. So when it comes to uh, one, finding the land, mm-hmm. where do you find land that's in these rural areas um, to buy? Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. So a lot of people do like mailers. Uh, we actually did t- uh, texting. We I pulled the list and this is like pretty early on in my like marketing side of things before what I'm doing now, but uh-huh. uh, we were testing out texting through a CRM and actually same buddy owns a CRM. So we just use his CRM. Right. So uh, we, I pulled a list of phone numbers in San Antonio, non-targeted uh-huh. They had no like stacking of anything going on. It was literally just phone numbers. And actually we had a name and address, but the name and address didn't even match up to most of the people. Really? So all we were doing gotcha texting phone numbers we're like hey we're buying property do you have anything for sale and a lot of people would be like no i have apartment you know i I don't have property but every once in a while you get that person never be contacted through text because not everybody's contacted today through text right 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 everybody's getting blown up either by text or call Uh but you get that one guy that hasn't been on any list and they have some property to think about selling and it becomes this conversation that like they're thinking, you know, who they are, you know, where their land is. And we don't know uh, anything about, about them, uh-huh. but that's where a lot of our big deals came from was texting non-targeted list. Um, I mean, we were texting like a hundred thousand people a month. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. So like definitely quantity, you have to go really high quantity to get those people. But uh, that's right. where so when, you're, was... when you're saying non-targeted list. So you're yep. just pulling the numbers of San Antonio. Yep. And just hitting them up without no yep. names or anything. Just wow. Okay. 
Yeah, we gotcha. didn't we didn't know anything about these people other than they had a two one zero number. Gosh, oh my gosh. <laughs> so hundred thousand. Okay, that's all right. So now the question is, how much did that cost? A hundred thousand texts a month. Yeah. How much did that cost? It costs about four cents a contact. So okay. Yeah. Four cents Somewhere. a contact, not four cents per message. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. Well, it was about four cents a message, but okay, the gotcha. amount of people that would reply, you know, you get charged per message, right? So I so think going I'm, in and out. Yeah, got I'm it. Okay, but most people wouldn't reply. So maybe five cents a contact. Okay, um, still a lot of money. Like yeah, some, you know, five grand. You mm-hmm. know, mm-hmm. you know, hundred thousand. But I think we probably spent about five ten grand on it. Someplace gotcha. now, there. now were you sending uh, texts with? So you're saying through the CRM, uh, was it something that was like a text blast or was it like a, yeah. a okay. So it was a text blast. Okay. Gotcha. Yep. And did, uh, and for the people that's listening, when I say text blast, it's a, you upload a list and it just sends messages to everybody at the same time versus yep. a batch leads, uh, which is, uh, what I typically use is a, you click every single time to send it out. So, a hundred thousand clicks would send out a hundred thousand messages versus <laughs> yeah. this one click and everybody gets yeah. it. Well, we, we had it, we had it on an automated system. So it would uh, go through and like do that clicking motion itself. Um, uh, but it was on like okay. a robot, right? Like the, a robot, like an internal software would be doing it. Uh, right. So every, gotcha. every minute it was sending out somewhere between 35 and 50 uh, texts Got it. a minute. Got it. Okay. Multiply that by how many to how many, yeah. you know, 50 a minute. It goes pretty quick, you know, so. Gotcha. All right. And so with this program, is this something that uh, was just something that was created by a friend or is this a known uh, software that people can go out and yeah. use? Yeah. Okay. So this, this software is HiveMind CRM. It's actually my buddy that does the big land deals. He actually created it in 2000, I want to say 2020. He he came out with it. Or 2020, he came out with it. Gotcha. So he, he, so Hive he's Mind, big H-I-V-E? Big, yep. Gotcha. H-I-V-E-M-I-N-D. Hive oh, Mind. Mind. Okay. Yeah. Hive Mind CRM. Gotcha. Okay. Yep. Good deal. So, and, and you were saying, go ahead. Yeah, we were just, we just automated it. I mean, I, I'm kind of a techie guy. I mean, you wouldn't imagine it by looking at the cowboy hat, but <laughs> <laughs> like, right. I'm in crypto and I'm in, you know, uh, information technology, like, so you had to automate it to do what you wanted it to do. Um, and I got pretty, you know, deep in the automation. So I had like 80 hours of automation built out for this the oh, software wow. to run properly. Gotcha. So, all right, so what did you learn how to automate and, and do all this, this coding basically? <laughs> Where'd you learn this? Man, I, I, I taught myself, uh, okay. when I was at a utility company, um, one of the mm. things I wanted to do was start and like analytics of all my crews. And we just had this data that we didn't know what to do with. So I got on and started learning Excel, like going on YouTube and learning how to do like V lookups, you know, without having any experience. I never learned in college or high school. I just, I've always been kind of good with computers and uh, able to learn from YouTube. I mean, I, I love YouTube. Like like you were talking about books earlier, man. Mm-hmm, YouTube, mm-hmm. YouTube is my thing. You, gotcha, you know, gotcha. like... So, so explain that. Go, go deeper into that because that's something that. Um, so, for example, uh, my old basketball coach. Um, I whenever I had any car issues or anything I needed to get fixed, 
I was like, you know what? I, I know that you know how to fix it. So I'm just going to bring it to you. And then you can just kind of show me how to, you know, how to do it on the back end. And so he was explaining how it's not that I just know how to fix everything. I just go on YouTube and I look at the video before you come here. And I'm like, yeah. okay, by the time you get here, now I know how to fix the thing. So what prompted you to be like, you know what? I don't know how to do this thing. Let me, let me look it up on YouTube. Man, uh, I, I've been watching YouTube since like early days. Like, I don't even know, like as far as I can remember back, I've been watching YouTube and like just very interested in like how-to videos and watch people restore things. Uh-huh. And the more I watch, like the more I realize that you can find whatever you want nowadays on it, right? Absolutely. So I actually had a bus I converted back when I was working at the utility company. I bought this Metro bus and then converted it into like a full RV. And what? I w- yeah, yeah, it was actually pretty cool. I, I don't have any more. I sold it, but uh, okay. it was like a 40 foot long metro bus, like you'd see oh driving around gosh. the city, right? That's and so I bought, cool. <laughs> I bought it and and I was like, you know what? I'll just work on this a little bit. Uh, ended up reconverting the whole thing. It took me like four years to do, but oh I, learned, gosh. I had no carpentry experience before this, had no like wiring experience. But I'd go on YouTube, like, how do you wire a uh, um, you know, like a, a regular plug-in, you know, how do wow. you wire a four-way switch? How do you wire, you know, a light? And I just go on and like, there's people out there teaching it to everybody, you know? Gotcha. And, the, and sometimes you find the guy that's like, oh yeah, just take that wire, that wire, that wire. And then you cut them all. And then there's another uh-huh. guy that's like, okay, this is what this wire does. This is what this wire does. And there's like very information. You got to cut them six inches. So it's like, you got to find the right video, obviously. Gotcha. Um, but they're, they're, it's kind of like, uh, describe it as like teachers. Like you, you had some teacher growing up that was uh-huh. really good at their job. Right. And YouTube's the exact same way. Like you're going to find every level of teacher, like the one that doesn't really give, you know, and uh-huh. then the one that is really good at what they do. And that's, I don't know. So I, I, I mean, I did it before that, but that's like the best example of learning on YouTube. So just anything after that, I was like, I'll just look it up on YouTube. I built, redid a whole bus yeah, by watching yeah. YouTube. I can do anything on YouTube. There right? you go. There you go. So that, so that, that's also interesting. So something that I forgot where I got this from, but the idea of uh, building on top of past successes, right? Yep. And so you uh, have the confidence to go and first being aware that you don't know something and then you look up how to do this thing. And now that you've accomplished this uh, root thing, everything that comes about uh, later, it's a, well, I did this in the past. So now I have the confidence. This dog comes on every episode. <laughs> Goodness. They well, call every, that the white lasso. rabbit, huh? There you go. This is Lasso. Lasso. lasso I love the name. Yeah. Thank you. Lasso, please. Uh, you know, hey, you can stay. All right. So, uh, so that is uh, that. So you went on to, so you wanted to have a business uh, and you learned these different trades and these different skills uh, over the years just by, uh, actually, no, I'm going to stick on this bus. Where'd you find the bus? <laughs> uh, so give you a little backstory on the bus and how okay. it came to be. So mm-hmm. in 2013, I uh, had an intimate or had a, I kind of had a, uh, a way time from utility work. Uh-huh. I had a buddy uh, in Texas. And this is how I actually got to Texas from North Dakota. Um, he's like, Hey man, I got a band. Um, 
we need a tour manager. If we know you're really good at managing things, would you come be our manager? Uh, so, okay. So I moved gotcha. to Texas to tour the country with a rock band. Did it for about two years. And oh, wow. I always see, you know, some of these bands we tour with have these big old buses. Like we, we were stuck in this little cargo van, right? It was a small uh-huh. band up and coming. So I was like, man, I'm, one day I'm going to have a bus. Like, I just like, even after tour, after touring and going back in utilities, I'm like, I'm going to get myself a bus. <laughs> you nice. Know? Nice. So, okay. The thing I could, could afford was, uh, was like a, like a conversion bus, not like a big uh-huh. old Prevost, like everybody else had touring the country, but a million dollar Prevost. But I could afford this, this, uh, this ten thousand dollar bus that I found on on Facebook, and I was so like, "I'm gonna make this into something." Great. So they just had a bus on Facebook. It's like, "Hey, who wants yep. a bus?" Yep. And, and I was like, you. "This guy, <laughs> I do." <laughs> there you go. There you go. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. So you found the bus, uh, and was it working when you found it? Like, could it yeah. drive? Yeah, actually, uh, it had a motor re- redone on it a few like ten thousand miles ago. Uh, um, it was actually kind of partially converted, not very well. Uh, found that out the hard way, but uh, it it was like partially converted, and I was like, you know what, I could go in here and tweak a couple things. Turned out, tweak the whole thing. Oh my um, gosh! But I yeah, the, the the motor and uh, the drivetrain, everything was good. It was just the inside that needed to be redone. Gotcha. Okay. All right, and so so you got this bus, uh, you converted. Do you have any pictures of this? Bus. Yeah, man. Yeah, I could send you some over after this. Please, uh, please do. Because yeah. th- that's, that's, I love it. I love, and speaking of like RVs and stuff, that was one of the things that I remember. Geez, this was, I was in my early 20s. I'm 33 now. This was like early 20s while I was in school. And I remember uh, hitting up a, a group of friends. I'm like, man, you know, it'd be cool on spring break. Let's just get an RV and let's ride up and down the coast. And everybody was on board until it was time to actually put money towards go, go this to- RV. And they're like, oh, you're serious. I'm like, no, I don't want to get on the bus and go up. I'm like, oh, my God. So I'm like, well, I'm not going to go to RV by myself. So that never happened. But uh, it's still a good yeah, thing to do. I, mm-hmm. I could probably uh, share screen share here to show you. Oh, yeah, please. Let me. All right. So here, here she is. Wow, and all her beauty. <laughs> hey, you did, the, did you do the painting and everything on the outside? No, that was one of the things that was partially done. So they had this. Okay. Uh, so originally, this bus was University of Michigan uh, campus transit bus. Interesting. Um, so it was like blue and yellow at one point. Mm-hmm. The guy that bought it from the campus was, I think he was Native American somehow. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was the first person to touch it and like do the outside. Uh, the story I got, he worked at an RV company, so he kind of had uh-huh. an idea of what he needed to do. And then it got to Texas somehow from the buyer that I bought it from. Um, and he had it for a couple of years, and he was selling it. And that's where I found it on Facebook. It was in Dallas, Texas. Gotcha. So, wow. Okay, so everything really is on Facebook. If, if you want yeah. it, you can find <laughs> it. My goodness, that is beautiful, man. So actually, funny story, this, uh, this picture on the side here, Sitting Bull and Buffalo Bill. Okay. So I'd roll through in the utility company. I'd travel the country about sit or not travel country, but travel Texas and Oklahoma mm-hmm. every six months. We'd roll to a new location and I'd have to drive the bus someplace. Mm-hmm. But I always stop in these small towns along the way and they'd be like, Oh man, that's cool. Is that a, is that an RV conversion bus? And I'd be like, yep. Like who's those people on the side? I said, well, those are my great, great grandfathers. They oh knew each God. other. 
<laughs> and they bought it. And they, they bought it. They'd be like, really? And I'd be oh, like, yeah. God. Oh, yeah. <laughs> nice. Now, I got to see on the inside of this thing, man. All right. There's the oh, inside. Oh, my gosh. All right. So for everybody that's not watching the video, this is it looks like a renovated house. Like, there's hardwood floors. There's... Uh, wood paneling on the walls. You got the microwave. You got a deck all the way out, man. That is beautiful. Yep. And did you have folks? I'm assuming you had folks helping you with uh, putting things up, or did you just do this all by yourself? I I had one guy that kind of came in the end, and okay. uh, he was actually one of my workers at the utility company, but he had a little bit of carpentry background. Gotcha. So he came he came in the end and helped me kind of put up um, some of the stuff in the bathroom wow. area. Oh my gosh, that bathroom is beautiful. <laughs> it looks like you're telling me. Like I, <laughs> I always, I always wanted to make it look like a cabin, right? So that's exactly uh, what it looks like. Yep. Wow. Bathroom had a gun safe in it. Um, oh my gosh! You never know. You got you got to protect yourself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, so, so did that that art on the wall? Uh, did that come with it? Mm -hmm. or do you, you guys? Okay, it did come with it. Okay. No, I had that custom made. Um, some mm. guy that's actually out of Austin, I think, made it for me. Um, gotcha. But I, I had went to uh, Colorado and was in the mountains, and I needed a piece actually back here, I think, one of these videos. So this this back wall here, mm -hmm. um, it has to stay open while you're driving. It like has all the fuses and stuff in it. Okay. So when I was driving, I'd have to take the big art piece down. Ah, I needed something gotcha. to hang over it when I wasn't driving, so it looked nice. Gotcha. So gotcha. I think I think I paid like eight hundred dollars to have that piece of piece made, but it's all wood, all natural, Man. and they just repaint it. So that's it's heavy. awesome. It's a, it's a heavy. I thing. Bet. So it's all wood, and again, for the people that's uh, not watching it, so it looks like mountains, uh, and it's made out of pieces of wood. So did it like symbolize anything, or was it just like a he just made it? I just, I've always loved the mountains. So, I mean, like, I don't know why I live in Texas. Like I should probably live in Colorado. Right. Um, or like, you know, at least Montana or something, but mm -hmm. uh, spent a lot of time, time in the mountains over the years. And so it kind of symbolized like, you know, tranquility for me, you know, I always feel at gotcha. peace when I get into the mountains. So. Gotcha. Makes sense. All right. Yeah. That's beautiful, man. That's absolutely beautiful though. Thank you for sharing that. Uh, and so, uh, going, uh, into, uh, the other business that you have, which is the dryer vent cleaning business. All mm -hmm. right. So, uh, what made you start that? Uh, and so, yeah, let, let's just start from that beginning. <laughs> what, what made you do that? Let's like start that business. Oh man, we were, I was looking for a boring business to get into. So a boring mm -hmm. business being something that's pretty easy to start. Um, you know, could cash flow pretty heavily. And I, I've been looking for about, I think we started that like, shoot, August of last year. So it's been like, what, four or five months now since uh -huh. we started that. Um, but I was on YouTube again. Um, and I was just kind of scrolling through videos and I came across this dryer vent cleaning and like, it wasn't on my mind. Like I wasn't looking for businesses on YouTube to create. I was just kind of scrolling and uh -huh. And they had all this lint coming out of this dryer vent. And I'm like, oh my God, like, this uh -huh. is crazy. And I was like, you know what? This is like really easy marketing. <laughs> you know, like for this guy, like every video he had had millions of views. Uh -huh. And he was actually a, a North Dakota guy. Uh, so it kind of came from that same state. Like there's like 700,000 of us, right? So right. like if you know somebody from North Dakota, like you're actually doing pretty well, right? Gotcha. And right, right. If, <laughs> if, he could, if he could do it as a North Dakota guy operating in this 
you know, relatively small town, I, I was like, man, I can make this into a business. So that's kind of the first like indication. I was like, I started looking around, like nobody's doing it, you know, like very low competition. Um, you know, getting into real estate, you kind of realize that like everybody's doing it, yeah. right? You have yeah. so much competition. Uh, but this one thing, this dry rent business, there's like very few people around the country doing it. Uh-huh. Like homes, most homes burn down or the most fire house fires start because the dryer is backed up. Um, and just the virality of the marketing, I was like, this is going to be so easy. Right. right? So, right. so we started. And the reason I was looking for a uh, boring business is because with land, it can take so long, like wholesaling is pretty quick. Right. But yeah. on these bigger land deals, I'm working. I've been working on one right now for a year and we don't even uh-huh. have, we haven't even started subdividing. Right. Gotcha. It's going to be another right, right. two, three years probably before we're really? all done. And yeah. So I was like, I just need something that cash flows a little uh, more consistently. Right. So, so I'm definitely going to touch on that, uh, the time frames of the, the subdividing. Uh, so let me do that. All right. So when it comes to uh, the driver business, so you saw that. And what was your first step after you saw that video? What was the next thing that you did? Just start researching it. You mm-hmm. know, get on YouTube, how to clean a dryer vent. You know, what what kind of uh, equipment you need. Uh-huh. How much is that going to cost? How much can you charge? Um, the real break breakthrough came when I started actually listening to Alex Formosi. Um, uh-huh. He's a service, I don't know if you know him, YouTube big billionaire guy, or not billionaire, but he's going to be probably in the next year or so. Right. Exactly. <laughs> you know, like literally mm-hmm. he's like worth like 200 million right now. Nice. Um, and he's like, he's like, don't do what everybody else is doing. He's like, everybody else looks at an industry and a business they want to start. They try to figure out what they're doing and their price range. And then they provide just a little bit better service for a lower price. And he goes, that is, that is how you go broken business. Uh-huh. He goes, figure out what everybody else is doing is important. Then add way more value on it and charge an extremely high price. Mm, so interesting. Every, everybody else in the driver business is charging anywhere between $80 and a hundred and 150, $160. Uh-huh. Um, and they're all relatively about the same. So I was like, well, how can we improve this? Well, we could, we could add in other types of vents. We can clean the outside, the vent, everybody's going inside. We're going to go outside. Uh, we're going to clean the roof off while we're there, you know, just as a, you know, all the leaves and stuff off, blow it all off. Uh, um, and then we're going to charge 275. Wow. And okay. I told my business partner this first time. He's like, you're crazy. <laughs> Nobody's <gonna pay> it. <laughs> and right, I was like, right. I think they will. I think they will. I think everybody's still charging prices like 10 years ago. Like nobody's gotcha. raising prices, right? Okay, right. I said, with all this high inflation, I think it's pretty, uh, you know, and I, I really don't want to serve the people that, the customers that are looking for the $80 service. Gotcha. You get out okay. there, you get out there, you find a problem, it takes you too long and you're losing money on that job. I said, I'd rather get out there and have like, you know, the amount of billing I'm doing is so like, say I have like two and a half hours of billing. Uh-huh. On, on a regular project, I'm going to be spent 30 minutes there and everything else is profit. But say I do get on a job that's a little bit more needy, now I have two and a half hours I can spend there trying to figure gotcha. out how to help that person and then I can innovate as well. Gotcha. So, so um, what are some other services that, that you're doing there? Like as you're as you're uh, cleaning, uh, going into uh, the, the dry van. So I've seen some videos and I think it's, it's interesting how you say that. 
I see the drill. They attach like some type of snake or whatever, uh, put it in there and you just see just tons of this crap just coming out. So aside from that, well, I guess, is that your method or do you have like a different method of cleaning it? Yes, we have a, we have a totally different method. Uh, okay. we use, we use a uh, high pressure air on a, on a backflowing system. So uh -huh. we stick in like a, uh, air hose into the vent and then top of the air hose, it's like a specialized air hose, but there's a, a specialized tool that spins rapidly uh -huh. and then it blows air backwards. So Interesting. we'll go, we'll go outside or either inside doesn't matter, but the air hose naturally wants to go forward and it's blowing everything back out to us where uh -huh. if you use those brushes on like a little cordless drill, like you can buy them at Hope Depot, like for 30 bucks. Right. 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 Uh, the the brushes don't want to go around corners, and that's where most of the lint's going to be trapped is in the corner, anyways. Gotcha. Um, you're pushing and compacting all the all the dryer lint into one spot and usually into the corner uh -huh. uh, versus pulling it out. Uh, so there's just so many problems with it. Like it, it's great if you have like a two foot dryer vent, but most right. of the dryer vents we work on are like thirty feet or more. Gotcha. Um, okay. Okay. Gotcha. Because I know most of the houses that we flip. Uh, the dryer vents are like on the opposite wall of yep. where that, that uh, exterior point is. And like you said, it's like two feet, but I guess you, your main target is going to higher end areas to where it's a lot more distance yep. uh, with that. That is okay. So now because you're going to a higher end area uh, and overall having that longer distance uh, your tools don't have to be as long because it's mm -hmm. using air pressure. Right. Yep. Yep. Well, I mean, we still have, sense. we still, we still have like a 30 foot long tool that goes all the way through the vent. Ah, got it. Got um, it. Got it. But okay. it, it's not attached to a drill. It's not, um, um, what's the word mechanically operated. It's uh -huh. all pneumatically operated. Uh, the, the hose naturally wants to go down the driver. And man, we could talk about this all day. <laughs> man, I'm just saying, this is, this is fascinating to me. I'm like, hold on. I know we're talking about lead, but, but you're, yeah. you're, 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 I was, I was cool. just thinking like in my head of uh, all the stuff I could explain to you about dryer vents. And I'm like, he might not want to hear all this. I mean, okay. We, we, could, we could touch on a little bit. And then after that, we can go back to the, uh, to the subdividing. Yeah. Uh, so I guess if you want to put a button on the, uh, no, on no, that. it's, it's yeah. fine. I just, I just mm -hmm. don't want to bore your audience with a uh, dryer. Gotcha. Vent. Cleaning yeah, business okay. <laughs> because we could oh, we could sit here all night, but yeah, I, I was I was definitely about to nerd out on some dryer vents. So I'm like, man, this is so fascinating. All right, so okay, so uh, I understand the concept, the overall concept of the dryer vents. Now, uh, now you're saying with the subdividing of the land, how that could take years. So explain yeah. why does that take so long? Uh, just because the 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 bigger the bigger the land you do, especially if you're going to go into like um, actual development it takes so much time for you to get feasibility studies and environmental studies and then compiling all that info. I mean, like this one land deal we have, we have 300 pages of studies on mm. what's, what's this land? How, how, is, how can it be developed? How can it be developed? What, what are the environmental impacts? Um, and then if you want to go into um, actual development, then you got to get approval on all these things. Right. Um, so the actual, like, we're not, on this piece, we actually, it's more of a, like a learning process for me right. on this big of a piece of land on like how to do the real estate development side. We were actually worth thinking about developing initially. Uh -huh. um, so that took a significant amount of time. Um, and then now we're finally to the point where we're like, okay, well, we're not going to develop it. 
well, we still want to subdivide it. Well, how the heck do you find that money? Right. So we had to go in and negotiate a seller finance deal, ended up getting working on that. That's just about done here. And then um, these tracks that we're subdividing based on the county standards, they're going to be really big tracks. So just on the cost alone, um, it's going to take a lot of time because we're trying to find a very small um, niche, you know, high end group. Mm -hmm. So we're going to have 10 tracks that are going to be almost a million dollars a track. Oh, wow. Right. Gotcha. So, so it's, it's, I think it's, I say four years because from now or three years from now, just because, you know, it is San Antonio, it's the seventh largest city, but you're, you're, you're targeting a very uh, niche crowd in a, a very specific area. Gotcha. Right? And so where do you find, so is it just a matter of just listing it on the MLS uh, yep. or do you have other methods of finding buyers as well? Yeah, on this on this type of land, um, with it being so high, we're just listing on the MLS. Okay. Um, but if if it was like, I mean, not all land deals take this long, right? But averagely, it's going to take at least six months to get a deal from you start time to uh, finding all your buyers and getting everything signed. Like uh -huh. six months to a year is pretty average. Gotcha. Um, me and getting that's just raw, raw land or developed land or like or any type of land. I would say big acreage. You like big you, okay, gotcha. Yeah, you you can wholesale like a small lot that's all ready to go. It has all the utilities in place. It has the roads coming through. Like mm -hmm. that. Like when I say land, I'm thinking anything bigger than ten acres. If Got if it. I say a okay. lot, I'm saying anything smaller than ten acres, right? Gotcha. Okay. So a lot you can wholesale within thirty days because it's it's just like a house. Only there's you know there's nothing to refurbish or there's nothing to remodel right gotcha. mm -hmm. uh, but with big land is you don't have anything you don't have utilities you don't have roads you don't have any of this stuff so it's almost like you're doing a rehab on the land uh getting it ready and that takes time the bigger acreage you go gotcha all right and so when you're looking for land uh that are these these big uh 10 acre plus uh situations uh, what are you looking for when you're determining what's a good deal? And, oh, and man, I that's, guess that's a loaded so, question. <laughs> so I guess it's, it's a two part question. What are you looking for? And is it important to also get it at like a 30% discount or, you know, things like that? Yeah. Yeah. So raw land, I'll, I'll talk about price a little bit first, um, okay. on, on the price, you know, um, most of the people are thinking like raw land, they, they, they don't have any separation between what raw land is and what developed land is. Okay. So e even, even the sellers will sometimes get this mixed up where they're like, Hey, I have a hundred acres. Um, I saw the guy down the road just sold his one acre for a hundred thousand. Therefore I want a hundred thousand per acre. Right. You're like, whoa, right. whoa, whoa, whoa. Right. hold on one second. Right. Like, you have raw land he has developed land like um plus your acreage is so much larger that as the as the amount of acreage goes up you have to uh you get you get less per acre uh -huh. because you're selling it it's a buying pool issue right uh -huh. so and and really like one acre to uh five acres you have a pretty low drop-off rate um anything less than less than acres like pretty usually pretty high so like back up if you anything less than an acre just about anybody can afford because it's going to be 
somewhere between, you know, um, $25,000 and $100,000. Like mm -hmm. you can go out to a bank and get a loan for anything less than a one acre, right? Mm -hmm. If you get between one and five acres, the, you know, you have to have the drop off. Your max value is usually going to be about two fifty, right? If somebody wants to build a nice big house on it, like a million dollar house, they're only want to pay like two hundred fifty thousand. Gotcha. You get over that five acre to ten acre th threshold, and now you're like down in like the ten thousand to fifteen thousand dollar range, um, and then over ten acres, you really start dropping off. Where you're really looking for a diff whole different use. Like say say you buy a hundred acres. One guy buys a hundred acres. He's going to build a house on one of the acres and the other 99 acres are going to be used for something completely different that doesn't have the value of a house being built. Right. Gotcha. Okay. So like, you know, you can get, you can get all the way down to like $700 an acre if you go over, you go big enough. Gotcha. You know? Gotcha. Where there could literally be a lot right next door that sells for 50,000, but the acreage that's a thousand acres you know, beside it is selling for $700 because of the cost, you know, uh, difference gotcha. there. Gotcha. Interesting. So, uh, so when you're saying that, that one to five and you're saying that's like 250, are you saying that's 250 for five acres or per acre? Uh, yeah. Uh, for like the whole acres, like the, on the high side, you could do mm -hmm. like 250,000 for all five acres. Got it. Got right? it. Got it. Okay. Like on, cool. on the low side, you're probably at like, you know, a hundred thousand or, or less, you know, gotcha. uh, depending on where it's at location wise. But what we really look for is we make sure that the numbers make sense in the mm -hmm. beginning. Like if, if somebody calls me and they're like, Hey man, I got 30 acres, um, you know, two hours outside of San Antonio. I want, 10 million. I'm like, no, <laughs> like, it. I don't even need to look at it. Like it's just right. not going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> you know? gotcha. Right, like, that's right, on right. a lake. I'm like, I don't care where it's at. It's just not going to happen. You know? Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, okay. So kind of like, kind of just understanding where those numbers need to be um, is, is kind of like my, my first indication if it's going to be a good deal or not. Uh -huh. And then, then location based after that, you're like, if the numbers kind of make sense, like we can start looking into location, how, how far, how, really what we look, what I look at is what's the population density of the place you're selling in. Right. Gotcha. So okay. if, if you go to Bell County, Texas, um, you know, the population per square mile is going to be like 500 to maybe 750 people. Mm -hmm. Um, and that land is going to be selling somewhere around $4,000 an acre. Like if you start talking large acreage, right? Right. Right. You can go to Bear County, which is in San Antonio, and mm -hmm. the popular, you know, people per square mile is like, um, you know, forty thousand people per square mile. That land is going to be selling for fifteen thousand an acre or more. Gotcha. Gotcha. Right? Gotcha. Okay. So I, I really look at population. It's really look. It's really location, location, location. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and then after we kind of figure that out, we start looking at amenities and that's where like where most people don't look, they'll look at location, they'll look at the price range, but they forget about looking at amenities of the land. Like they're just, most people are like, man, it's land. And you're right. like, yeah, but everything has all, all land has attributes. And they're like, what attributes? And I'm like, well, does it have utilities? What kind of utility does it have? Does it have flood zone? You know, I, I've like literally, so, yeah, so talk, talk more about that. Like what, like name those, those utilities. Cause I know I was watching mm -hmm. a video of yours and you were talking about gas line 
versus, uh, you know, is it close to a road? This like a, a church was closer to that, like kind of explain that that mindset, what, what you're looking for. Yeah. So the most important utilities, if somebody wants to build a house, especially in the countryside, is going to be electrical, fiber optic, water, uh, sewer, and then gas. And most people, when I tell them that, they're like, there's no way that fiber optic is more important than water and 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 sewer. And I'm like, well, in the countryside, most water and sewers are not publicly, like on a public system, they're a, a well and their septic system. Uh, but there's only one way to get true light speed internet, and that's through fiber optic, right? Gotcha. So mm -hmm. so it's it's electrical uh electrical fiber, water, sewer, um, and then gas and like cable TV if you can get it and all that kind of stuff, right? Uh -huh. Um so that's kind of what we look for. We, first thing we want to know, does it have electrical? And electrical is like the most readily accessible uh utility on the planet. Like, gotcha. or maybe not on the planet, but the United States, <laughs> let's just right, say right, it that right. way, right? right. <laughs> if, if, if you don't have power, you got big problems, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. um, and, and most times like power is pretty easy to bring in. Uh, you set a couple utility poles and now you got power, right? Um, water on the other hand, and can be, can be very costly to bring in like publicly, publicly provided water. Uh -huh. um, so if it has that, it's a plus. Um, septic systems are very common in rural areas, especially if you have a, have a good perk, uh, in the ground where you can, that, um, it can, uh, the septic system can work and it can saturate in the ground. Uh, but if you have sewer, it's even more, you know, uh, valuable. So we gotcha. started looking at all these, you know, kind of in that list of order and fiber being up there as well. Um, now it depends on, on the customer. If you're, if you're looking at to do ranches, they really don't care about fiber, you know, they'll set up their, their SpaceX Starlink, you know, yeah. be perfectly good. <laughs> but there if you're you looking go. for like heavy residential, you have to have fiber. Gotcha. Um, so, so, so let me, yeah, go ahead. I was say, uh, so when it comes to, um, fiber optics, um, I've heard of it being public record, of uh, future plans to develop fiber optics in a city. So yep. is that something that, I mean, is that, is that true? Or like, how, how do you actually find that information? Yeah, we could go down another rabbit hole with that. That's what I did for like five years is develop yeah, fiber uh, talk, talk to me, talk to me. Let's, I guess, so, try, try to sum it up. What, which, uh, how, how can yes. somebody find that information? Uh, the best way, to, honestly, if, if you're like really, um, you know, really interested and in pretty far along into the project, you just call a one, one ticket in, um, you know, a local utility marking, um, that's free to a customer as long as you're planning on doing some sort of digging on your property. You call 811, you tell them where your property's at, tell them that you want to know what kind of uh, utility lines are around it. And every utility company will come out and mark their stuff because they, they, don't, they don't want you to damage it, right? Um, so they'll come out and mark the fiber, they'll mark the water, mark whatever utilities are available. If there's gas and oil lines out there, they'll come and mark that. Um, so like if you actually are really interested in a property, like I want to call 811 tickets on a deal you're looking at just off, you know, just off the cuff. But uh -huh. that's one way you can tell. Um, uh, you can also call your local providers and, you know, call it your independent, especially in the rural areas, call your independent local uh, fiber optic. Um, and usually the best way I know 
who to call when I'm driving out to a property, start looking for billboards and, you know, and look around and, oh, there's a billboard for, you know, light speed internet, you know, they're the independent local provider, right? Gotcha. And okay. Call them and ask them if they serve fiber optic to your area. Gotcha. Now, if you're, uh, if you're just wanting to know, for example, in Houston, cause that's where I'm at. Uh, mm -hmm. If you know that they're uh, doing fiber optic to uh, a particular area um, or I know there were some years back, um, I remember they were doing uh, some fiber optic uh, project in New Jersey somewhere. And they're mm -hmm. like, oh, well, because we know that this plan is coming, uh, the real estate market is going to go crazy there because they're going to have access to this type of internet. So, and they're like, oh, well, the, the city, we, we got that from public information. So is it like a, like a report that you get from uh, the city that says, hey, here's our future plans uh, for the city? Or is it a way to, to check like a database yeah. of like where in the country is there new fiber optics about to happen? Man, it's they're they're happening all over the country. Uh, I I don't know like a central authority for that. Okay. Um, that's also kind of like a loaded question because AT and T or like a big company will be like, hey, we're gonna build out fiber optic to you know Spring Branch, Texas, uh -huh. and that that means that in the next ten years they're gonna have fiber there. But you know, like you might be a way too early to the party if you're buying today because it right. might be. You know, I mean, the first spot, the first area, wherever they're planning on putting their, what we call a CO in the industry is a, uh -huh. like a central hub. Uh -huh. You might get fiber from that in the first year, but if you're in the wrong area, it could be, you know, five, six years out before you're. Gotcha. So okay. I, I, I wouldn't really, you know, it's kind of like another, like the bigger the company gets, the longer it's going to take, take type of thing. Got it. Um, I, I would be looking for places that currently have fiber. Um, uh, and, and you can also tell, like, if we go into, like, we could do it right now if you want to, but we could go yeah, to, let's do it. okay. <laughs> uh, I, I just looked on Google maps. So let's, uh, let me pull open a map real quick. Okay. See, and if you guys are not following, uh, Evan, this is the type of stuff that he does on his Facebook and on his social media is uh, he goes into detail on all these things and you guys can tell he has a really deep knowledge on uh not just uh land but why land is valuable uh and what things to look for so this is not something that you'll get in a regular course uh you just have to you know follow people who actually know what uh what they're doing uh so yeah, Ch yeah. choose an area man uh, uh so let's let's go to as a matter of fact Okay, let's stay in Texas. Uh, let's go to uh, so go to Houston, uh, mm -hmm. and then go to Spring, uh, okay. so north of Houston. Yeah. Okay, I'm a, I'm gonna go a little bit further north just so we get out of the city because I know this okay. area is gonna have fiber. Let's okay. uh let's come down this like County Road two two twenty four, and uh, actually let's try this area right here. Oh wow, that's not what I was thinking. Let's see. I'll try and find something someplace a little more rural. All right. Okay, so here's a rural area way out in the sticks. <laughs> like literally. Um, so like say we had a property down here someplace, like we're gonna buy this five acres. Uh -huh. Um, the first thing I do when I start looking for utilities is start looking um at the corners. So right off the cuff, I know there's some sort of pipeline this loads here. 
there's some sort of pipeline going through because it's all cleared here. And then you have these 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 markers um, right here. And if you zoom in on it, you have these vent holes, which is a clear indication of, of a pipeline going through. And gotcha. you also have yellow markers back here. And this is usually indicating some sort of um, important structure underneath of it. So Got like it. a like a valve box or something's down there for that gas pipeline. Um, there might be also, well, that's, that's a white post. I was going to say that might be water. Uh -huh. Um, so, and here, here's more, even back here, you can see these valves sticking up out of the ground. So we know this area has, has a big gas line. It looks like they might have multiple gas lines going through this area. Gotcha. Um, typically these, um, typically these posts are going to be directly over the gas line in question. So as you look down the way here, there's another post back there and you can faintly see another one in the back. Right. So there's one pipeline there. There's another pipeline over here. There's another pipeline over here. So this area has pipelines going through it. Right. So if this, if this was the property we were looking at, we, we wouldn't want to buy this property because you can't build a house over active pipelines. So gotcha. we know there's pipelines in the area. So when we start looking at the five acres, we want to make sure there's not something going through a rear easement. Like for example, this that one is probably heading in this direction. So if our property was over there and you kind of see that clearing, there might be a pipeline running across our property. So even if we go out, oh shoot, I messed up. It's all good. I was trying to find that. Oh, satellite here. I think we were right here, weren't we? Yeah. So I think that's right where we were. So you can see, say this property is right here where we initially talked about. Uh -huh. And it's five acres. You're going to have a pipeline going right across it. And then you're probably Got within it. a proximity to like some sort of dangerous uh, collection site. So you, even if you bought this property, you probably can build a house just because of this collection site over here. And when right? you say collection site, what, what do you mean by that? Uh, I would imagine this is some sort of like gas uh, collection site or a compressor station where they're going to push, they're going to uh, compress that gas and push it out. Gotcha. But since, okay. since it's kind of a dangerous area, the county will never let you build a house there because that would, for some reason, have a leak or blow up. I mean, it's yeah. going to wipe out everything in a in a quarter mile. Jeez. You know what I mean? Okay. So, gotcha. So, gotcha. And we just pulled a random spot, right? Right, right, um, right. But also what I've seen down here on the corner, just just to give it give me an idea, this 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 place probably has fiber optics because of this uh, marker right here. Uh, this is what we call in the industry um, either a matchstick or um, a cigarette, uh -huh. and they're they're marking orange usually means um, always not usually but always means some sort of telecommunication. And when you see Got these it. matchsticks, they're usually an indication of fiber. So if we come around here to the front, uh, we could maybe even read that sign. Let's go. I don't know if we'll be able to read it from here. But th this signpost on one of the sides should tell you exactly who owns it um, uh. and what kind of fiber it is. So if you get out of your pickup or your car and you go walk over to that thing, start tilt your head sideways and start reading it, it'll say something like, you know, Greater Houston um, Fiber Optic Co. 
Gotcha. And then, okay. and then you know that that is a fiber line going through there and that you could probably pull from that. Gotcha. Okay. So again, really great information. Uh, uh, everyone that's listening, whether you're on YouTube or if you're listening to it on uh, Spotify or, or Apple, I want you guys to put in the comments uh, one thing that you guys have learned so far. I know I've learned a ton so far uh, and, and we're not even close to being done yet. So uh, make sure you guys are doing that. And also, if you guys have not yet uh, done so, um, make sure you guys go and look at the uh, caption uh, of this this podcast and make sure you guys are following uh, Evan because uh, he's he's given he's given uh, amazing, amazing information. Uh, and this is the type of stuff that really makes a difference. Uh, you may be, uh, for example, I know I was looking into getting into uh, land wholesaling and I was getting information from folks that were giving general information. And there was, there was pieces of land that I would look at and it was just weird how certain properties would uh, have completely different values uh, than others. And as I'm listening to folks that are teaching, uh, you know, land uh, wholesaling online, they're like, okay, well, look at the neighborhood, look at this piece of land. If there's a, you know, some land that's sold next to it down the street or whatever, that's similar acreage, get a price per, uh, you know, uh, square feet for the lot. Uh, and then that's how you determine a rough estimate for that land. And you just go based off of that discount it, see if they want to sell it at that price. And then you just kind of move on. It works for houses. Uh, and of course there's the whole, what section of the neighborhood is it in? Is it, you know, within the same year, square footage style, whatever. But this is the type of information that if you don't know, you might be buying land that's legit on top of some piping that's going on and nobody could do anything with it. Now you're on the hook, you're under contract and you've already passed your due diligence stage. Cause you're like, no, I got a deal. It's like, no, you don't. You're stuck with a situation and now you give yourself a bad name. So, uh, you know, and I'm sorry to cut you off, but I was just making sure that people did not yeah, no, that. And I got to make sure that they actually follow you so that they can just keep getting this type of information. All right. So, yep. uh, so you, so you're showing, uh, the information, uh, you're showing the importance of, uh, noticing these things. So, yep. um, when you're looking for, okay, let me ask this. How do you run comps for finding land if there are so many other factors that go into it? So it can't just be a, there's no date uh, attached. There's no, you know, like whatever. How do you run comps for land? Yeah, so that's kind of what you said right now is the first thing I do. Like mm. I will go into an area, try to find out, what the the lots are selling for um and if i can't find if, like any lots i'll take home values what's the median home value within a half mile and not not the highest not the lowest but like the median like say say there's one that sells for 250 and then one sells for 400 um and they're kind of all like in between that so i'll go about mm -hmm. 350 and i'll take 20 percent of that um and that's the max value i can sell that lot for in my mind. Interesting. Right? Okay. So it, when you, when people build houses or when um, houses are being built, the bank is only going to finance 20% um, of that loan to go towards the lot. So like when they start uh... breaking it down, so that's, that's what I consider max. Um, 
you know, sellable. And that's where home builders want to pick it up um, at, at the max. So to, depending on how aggressive the home buyer is, you know, if home, homes are selling off the shelf and, you know, selling quickly, they're okay with paying that 20%. But if it's kind of a slow market, kind of like we're seeing now, they're uh-huh. wanting to push closer to like 15, 10% because they can roll some costs onto that um, and, and get that house sold still. But if they're maxed out in their land at 20%, they're never going to be able to do it. Um, gotcha. And it becomes a, becomes a burden to them. Um, so uh, are there, is that limited to uh, different areas uh, as far as using that type of formula? Uh, or would you still you know, consider that in like higher end areas or? Yeah. I, I don't know that answer. I just, okay. it's just a rule that I use. You gotcha. Know? Gotcha. Okay. Um, you know, obviously the higher end you go, um, people are going to have cash that they can put down. So they don't have to worry about so much of the loan. Uh-huh. I mean, if they're building a million dollar house and they want to live in a certain area, uh-huh. they're going to have the cash to put down to buy that lot. Right. Gotcha. So uh-huh. that doesn't matter as much, but I still look at everything as everybody's going to have to get a loan if they're buying a lot. Right. Gotcha. So uh-huh. I'll, I'll figure that out first is, is my first uh, area of comping is uh-huh. what is this lot worth on, on a loan? for a new build. Right. Gotcha. And then that's after I figure that out, then I'll check and make sure that there's no, uh, gas lines, you know, make sure it has utilities, make sure it's not in a flood zone. Um, make sure it doesn't have some more sort of electrical easement going through. Um, and all these different explain that electrical easement. Yeah. So I was actually, I was just trying to look for this property uh, Mm -hmm. while you were talking. Um, but, uh, there's, there was this one lot, up by Dallas, right outside town. Um, all the houses in the in this little subdivision were selling for like seven hundred fifty thousand or more, uh-huh. like seven hundred fifty to a million dollars. And there's I don't know 16, 20 houses, and the whole the whole subdivision was sold out except for this one lot. Um, and one of the questions I always ask, especially when I start looking at lots, is why is this thing vacant? Uh-huh. You know, because there's no reason this one should be vacant um, and all the other ones are filled. So there's something wrong with it, right? Uh, uh-huh. So either, either it's on a slope, either they have some sort of utility easement, something's wrong with it. Maybe it has a drainage ditch going through it, something you can't see from satellite. Um, so this one in particular one, I, I started looking at it, I'm like, man, this we're getting a great deal on this lot. Like we're buying it extremely under market. Um like from aerial images, all I can all I can tell is like this lot's ready to be built on. Well, I did some more like uh, due diligence in it, and I was starting to pull like county records, uh-huh. and a county record had a utility easement going through this lot. And I'm like, oh, there it is. That's what it right. is, you know. And so I pulled it back up on maps, and then I started noticing there's there's transformer lines going through. Uh, mm. Like the big, the big gray ones that go across the plains. Ah, you gotcha, know? gotcha. But right. From an aerial perspective, I'm looking at this one lot, and you know, a quarter mile in either, either direction, there's two poles, and you can't see the wires crossing oh, this lot. Okay, right? gotcha. From okay. an aerial perspective. Right, 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 right. And uh, you can't build a home on that lot. Uh, I mean, you technically could build a mm-hmm. home there. But if for anything happens with those power lines, I don't know if you've ever seen power lines get toppled before. It's going to land on that house, and then it's going to create a and, fire. And fry it, you know? yeah, 
Yeah, yeah. Gotcha. So no insurance Jeez. company is going to back that, right? Underneath the power line. Right. So there's like there's all these reasons like that lots don't get built on, uh, even if they're in a nice development area. So I first try to figure out the value, and then mm-hmm. I look for those reasons. Like, and I always like fifty percent of the time you find something. Gotcha. Like, you know, so there's a reason that lot wasn't built on. And a lot of times it's either a flood zone, uh, a waterway, utility easements of some sort of kind. Um, the whole area is like perfectly flat, but this one lot is set at like a 45 degree angle for some reason. Mm-hmm. Like there's just a little hill there uh-huh. and maybe like a little drainage. Um, and that lot's sitting like this, you know? Right. So there, there's always some sort of thing that is going wrong with it. So um, half the time. I shouldn't say always, but half the time, sometimes, sometimes it's just the guy never built on it and wants to sell. Gotcha. So, uh, this kind of brings up a a situation. So I, my wife, she showed me probably a couple of weeks ago, how there's plans to bring a universal studios in, uh, North of Dallas. Uh, Mm -hmm. and right now I'm assuming, you know, all that has been in the works for a long period of time. And just like how, Disney, when they were coming out to Orlando, they, instead of just buying a bunch of land, they bought uh, a bunch of individual lots under different LLCs. And uh, they probably already started, you know, running fiber optics. And I'm sure it's like way, way North Dallas to where it's not necessarily Dallas. It's like some, you know, country town, but now it's going to have a lot going on over there. Would you, with this news now, buy land in that area and just sit on it? Or would you wait until construction starts and you see action happening and then you're like all right now let me do it because you don't want to be first but you'll be like a hundredth yeah that's that's a very interesting question i don't know the right answer to that to be honest uh Mm -hmm. i i I, when you say that i think of a story um of this this plan development coming through so i don't remember where i heard this at but it's a true story i believe but this guy, maybe it was Robert Kiyosaki. Maybe it's in one of his uh his books or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but this guy had known that this um this new road, this new interstate was going to be built through an area, and he found the parcel maps and figured out where the corners were going to be, like the the overpasses and like the right. connection. Those corners are very valuable. Mm-hmm. Well, he went out and bought one of these corners before the road was ever built and uh, he ended up financing it, you know, was able to pay payments, you know, thinking it's going to be two years out. Well, that road kept getting pushed back, pushed back, pushed back, pushed back. And um, by the time he was, you know, the road was being built, he didn't have any money left. Uh... It was like, you know, like the financing, something happened in his life. The financing fell through. Um, He wasn't able to pay the note and he had to sell that piece of land well, the, the guy that came and bought it, um, uh, bought it like three months after or right, right before the, um, <sighs> the, the thing was built out and oh, he ended up flipping that land for yeah. hundreds of thousands of dollars. Right. Oh, gosh. So, yeah. so there is a little bit of like, I'm always worried. Like I, like you gotta like wait for it to be built. Um, but mm-hmm. there is like that sweet spot. Like, you know, there is like that, you know, one year timeline when, when the building's being constructed, um, and about to go live, like you, you got to get in before, right? Like right. entrepreneurs make money by spotting trends and, and capitalizing on those trends. Right. Uh, but being too early to the party 
is also a problem right because if, if they haven't started laying that brick on that uh on that building mm-hmm. i mean universal studios tomorrow could say oh we're showing that down yeah and, and they they could take a a five million dollar loss on that right and not right, be anything right. to them but you the guy that's built buying the lot next door exactly <laughs> you know can't take that loss you know right, so right right so i would i would definitely wait till like it starts building um and they kind of have that plan in place and then i i would i wouldn't go aggressively on on those types of lot i would be like you know you talk to the sellers all the sellers are going to know like oh they're building universal studios down the way and you're uh-huh. like and like i'm just trying to buy this lot right now right you know i'm not trying right. to buy universal studios i'm trying to buy this lot gotcha you know and they're that's, like oh the, the values yeah. are going to go up and you're like okay like they might like but i'm giving you my cash today right and i'm taking that risk right so this is what your land's worth like i, I wouldn't speculate too high on it like if you mm-hmm. want to target those areas great but don't don't get head over heels into that area you know gotcha. still or still try to buy the land as if that that property is never going to happen gotcha so that that actually uh so i remember i was watching a video this was uh uh something that came up about amazon they were talking about uh building a a factory in one of these cities and so uh, as soon as the news came out uh land just starts selling like crazy there's new development new construction people building multi-family single families like it just went crazy in this area and then amazon decided like you know what i think we're good and <laughs> everybody was just like wait whoa, whoa, whoa. like I, I spent so much money he was like i didn't tell you to spend that money you, you did it i said i might come over there and even yeah. if i said i was coming i changed my mind so yep. and you could take that loss so i was going to ask when you were in one of your videos you were explaining how uh whenever you're receiving uh public water and if you're in a rural area it could cost the city tons of money depending on what they have to cross so is it possible for an investor to pay the city to bring that water over or does it have to be from the city uh, yeah, there's, there's cost share there. There's okay. ways you can get around it. Like, um, typically the city wants economic development, right? So they, they want their tax dollars to go up. If they take a lot from a vacant lot and turn it into a commercial or a multifamily or heavy residential, they know that that price breaker is going to go up. They're going to serve the water districts and to serve, they're going to make money. Right. Mm-hmm. So if you're trying to build one house, that kind of video was kind of on like the value of that one house. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to say that one house, the city's like, listen, there's not much economic development. We're going to be at a loss right now. If you still like really wanted it to happen, you, you could probably tell the city like, Hey, we're going to, we're going to cost share on this. Like I need water. Right. And they'd be like, okay, well, it's going to be 150,000, uh-huh. you know, for your $75,000 lot. And you love that lot so much. You want it to right. happen. Like, They'll they'll do it because I mean if you're covering some of the costs for them, they'll they'll allow it to happen because they know that economic development is uh is gonna be in the future, just not today. Right. Got it. Got um, it. but but like on, on on that lot, you know, I there was one lot in that video, a half acre lot, but the guy also owned three acres there and it go right. went all the way to the corner. So I told the guy, like, I, I'm happy to buy all three of these, all three acres. Because I can go to the city and say, hey, we're building 10 houses right here. Or we're building 16 houses. Mm-hmm. Um, I need water. And they're going to say, okay, well, let's put a plan together. 
you know, versus me saying, Hey, I'm gonna build one house. They're like, man, get out of here. Get lost. Right, you know, right, like, <laughs> right, 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 right. I mean, they're not, gotcha. they can't tell you that, but that's what they're thinking. Gotcha. gotcha. Makes sense. All right. And so when it comes to uh, land development uh, or land investing, mm-hmm. who would you say would be a, a good candidate for somebody that wants to look into investing in land? Oof, tough one. Um, I, w- I would say if you have any kind of background, and, uh-huh. and anything land, you know, like I, I, I always tell people stick to your niche. You know, if you grew up in the city and that's all, you know, go flip houses. Like uh-huh. I'm, I can't flip houses. Like, I mean, I could, I could learn it. Right. But like, that's not my niche. I don't know anything about houses. Like houses scare me. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know what's behind those walls. Right. You know, I don't know anything about building a house and convert a bus, but not build a house. <laughs> uh, gotcha. Right. And that's probably why it scares me because I have converted a bus. No, but, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but yeah, so like my, my background has been in land. Right. So it was, it was easy to transition from, um, from doing utility development, farming into doing land. Like I know more about it just from a base knowledge and I can bring, um, knowledge to the table that other people can't bring and that's my one up on everybody right gotcha but if if you're in a city and you're like man i'm gonna start trading land <clears throat> it's like man you better like start watching youtube like crazy and figuring this out and you can still do it i'm not saying you can't but you have to reach the level of of a guy like me that's came off the farm and has utility experience and you have to teach yourself that to get there and and most people just don't have that that drive Right. Um, and, and even if they do have the drive, it takes lots and lots of time. Gotcha. So, so I, I always say stick, stick to your niche. If, if you're inland, um, if you've had some ex- prior experience, maybe building pipelines or utility development, or, uh, you grew up on a farm or you grew up in the countryside and you kind of have an eye for it. Great. Right. Do land. Um, gotcha. but there's, there's so many other niches and like the, the, the grass is always greener on the other side of the fence. There you, you go. Know? Exactly. Like, do something you know about. So, um, so when it comes to uh, wholesaling land, uh, how how would somebody start if they're interested in actually starting that process? What should they do today? Uh, I would say first, if you're going to get into land, go driving for dollars. Okay. Um, and you can you can maybe explain that a little bit more better than I could. Um, but actually, getting out there when you're doing land and looking at it in person is is huge for most people. Gotcha. Um, you start recognizing utilities, you start recognizing, you know, um, uh, you know, shape of the area, shape of the ground level. <clears throat> you can see a Creek if there, maybe it's in a flood zone. Um, so you can kind of start visualizing that and seeing what it looks like. Um, and then plus look, look for pieces of land that are in a neighborhood where the grass is overgrown. Um, uh... you know, there's, there's no house there. You know, the, the neighbor doesn't have a fence going around it as well, you know, um, and just look for like things that look out of place. And if it looks out of place, it's going to be something that, you know, that people aren't paying attention to and land doesn't have sentimental value. Usually like my, like where I grew up has sentimental value to me, but I'm a right, right. person, you know, like, <laughs> right, 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 right. Uh, gotcha. but, but yeah, like if it's a lot, you know, that's why I would say most people should start, is start looking at lots. That's going to teach you a lot. If you want to get into big land, mm-hmm. um, start wholesaling lots first. Got you it. Know, okay. Um, and uh, kind of get that 
unless you have like a lot of knowledge, you know, if you have a mm-hmm. lot of knowledge, it's a whole different case. But for 99% of the people, I would say start driving for dollars on lots, look at gotcha. those lots, start contacting them, start skip tracing those customers and or those uh, owners. So would you start off with uh, texting or letters? Um, and so I'll start off with that question, T- texting or letters, texting letters. Uh, I would, mm-hmm. I would do texting. Okay. Uh, I don't have any experience with letters, so never, mm-hmm. never sent a direct mail piece of anything in my life. So gotcha. Um, gotcha. Yeah, I would. I mean, honestly, if you're doing the driving for dollars things, I would just call. I wouldn't even worry about getting into automations and texting letters and stuff. Um, you know, maybe if you're driving for dollars, mail might be a good option if you can't get a hold of them. Right. Um, sending it to the mailing address on file. Um, but yeah, you if you're if you're not doing driving for dollars, I say text. Gotcha. All right. And so lots that so as I was looking for land uh, for a while and I was generating lists on PropStream, a lot of the land that I was looking at, it didn't have an address. It just said like zero street, uh, you know, uh, and it just went on to the city, Satan zip. So how do you actually address these properties? Because uh, a lot of them will have the same uh, beginning. So if you're referring to a property or if somebody calls you back after receiving a text, how do you refer to that exact property? Uh, so you guys are talking about the same thing. Yeah. So if it's a, on if you're talking to the customer, you're going to talk on the street, like, or in the city. Um, mm-hmm. And even if you can keep it really broad is a good option too. Um, um, because that person might own like four or five different lots. Uh. So uh, and you want to encompass everything. You want to encompass the lot they're thinking about selling, not the one that you might be looking at, right? So if you're in Houston, you say, hey, I'm calling about your lot in Houston, right? Uh, okay. And they they might say, which one? And that gives you a tip that there's multiple, right? Uh-huh. Well, I was calling about the one on Main Street, but uh, do you have another one that you consider selling? I like that. You know? Um, so keeping it very broad, especially when it doesn't have an address, I think even if it does have an address, keeping it broad when you're first initially talking is good to Mm. open up your opportunities. Um, and I, I learned that the hard way, um, actually one of the properties I was calling on, I had had asked was a lot when I first kind of started, I said, Hey, would you be interested in selling a lot at 150 something main street? Right. And the guy was like, no, well, literally I found out later. And my buddy had the exact same seller like a month later buying this other lot that this guy owned. Uh, and and the only reason I knew was because he asked me to comp it for him because I was so good oh at comping. And I recognized the name and I looked through the link properties and I was like, oh shit. Yeah, like yeah. I should, you know, I, I went too specific. I should have stayed broad, you know. He wanted is... keep, he wanted to keep that lot. Right, you know, he right. wanted to sell the other one. Man, that is okay. That's another one of those things. You guys should take notes on that because that is a huge difference maker. And that's between potentially having a deal and just somebody just being another no, right? Yep. If you just would have said, hey, the land that you have in Houston or in Texas or whatever it is, then it would have been like, which one? I was calling about that. I was calling about this one, but do you have any other one that you're interested in selling? Oh, well, the one that's on this street? No, but... I do have one that's across town that I'm considering selling, right? Yep. So th- that's a difference maker between uh, you know somebody that has experience and somebody that's just starting off. And something I'll say too, 
whenever you guys are cold calling or just speaking to uh, sellers, you want to, of course, cover certain pain points. I know for me, I go into asking, you know, let me just ask you, what are some things that you cover whenever you're asking people about uh, land and uh, getting something under contract? So what are your criteria that you cover? Uh, I, I mainly just try to talk to them with the kind of the person I think they might be. So, um, I, I first start asking about the property. Um, I I really don't do a lot of cold calling, so it's kind of hard for me to answer this. Uh, Uh, I have done some cold calling in the past. I'm just not very good at it. But, um, the, the biggest thing for me, when, especially we're talking like farmers are selling big land, we talk, we talk more about the farm and we talk more about their life. Um, then we ever start talking about the land. We talk about the farm for like half an hour before we even start talking about the land. Like I'll call them, Hey, I'm interested in this land. And the, the conversation I'll, I, I try to redirect it as soon as possible uh-huh. to let's stop talking about the land, start top start talking about you. Like, you know, Oh, did you know, did you inherit this land or you've been farming your whole life? Oh, well we've been, you know, my, my wife inherited it from her father and he was did X and X with the land. And I'm like, oh, cool. Like I grew up on a farm too. Like, what do you, you know, what kind of crops do you guys grow? And we, I just transitioned like completely away from the land and let's mm-hmm. start talking about you because the more they know that they're talking to somebody like-minded, the easier the process is going to be down the road. I love um, it. So that's, that's kind of my strategy. Um, that's not a really great, great cold calling, especially if right. you're like on a lot, like, what are you, what are you going to talk about? I don't know. <laughs> you, right, you know right, like, right, right. Um, and, and you don't want to get too, and a lot of people say, don't get off topic, like just figure it out. Like, but I'm also looking at multi-million dollar land. Like, you know, if you're talking about, a, you know, a $20,000 lot, that that's a whole different ball game. You got to do quick, you got to do volume, mm-hmm. you know? So, um, probably not like a great question for me to be honest like gotcha gotcha you know so, so th- this is this is what i would say to that and and it's interesting that you bring that up because that's basically uh what i yeah i talk about in, in my ebook um when i'm discussing wholesaling uh is whenever you go over to someone's home if it's on an appointment with this cold calling whatever the way that you build rapport is by using what's available so you go to their home you see a picture on the wall of a kid you start talking about the kid. You see a jersey uh, that's on the wall that's a signed jersey. Oh, were you a big fan of whatever? Uh, you, they have a TV show on. They have a movie on. Like whatever's around the house. You smell food. Oh, well, what are you cooking? Oh, yeah. Well, I like to cook too. And you just start like whatever you could use. Use those things to your advantage. And the best way that uh, somebody explained it was like uh, I forgot what video game he was describing, but there are certain fighting games to where. Yes, you could use your hands, but there's also like crates that you could pick up and, you know, smash the other person over the head. And so use the the weapons that you have around you to help you in this this conversation. Uh, and yeah. so by you going in and saying, oh, OK, well, tell me about the farm. Uh, OK, I used to be on the farm. All of a sudden they feel like they're talking to a relative. Now, whatever walls they had up, it comes down and say, oh, you raised on a farm? Okay, well, hey, well, let me just, whatever I was about to say, forget that. Let's talk about this farm life, you know? And so that is that is huge. So yes, you guys may not have farm knowledge, but you have knowledge of something like that they're speaking about. 
they're going to say something. You're going to hear a sound in the background. You're going to hear an accent that you may not recognize. You're going to, uh, maybe they have a funky last name and you talk about that. There's something that you could talk about. And as you go deeper into that, all of a sudden, what people have to know is people love talking about themselves, right? Especially if the person that is talking to them seems very interested Then all of a sudden the, the floodgates open. It's like, Oh, you really find this interesting. All right, well, here you go. Let me tell you about this farm. Oh yeah. Let me tell you about my cucumber farm. Oh man. Well, ever since I was a kid, cucumber, this cucumber, that talk an hour about cucumbers and all of a yep. sudden the, the, the contract's easy. You know what I mean? And yep. the contract's the last thing you talk about. Like, Oh yeah. <laughs> I'm here about the land. Oh, I'm so sorry. He's like, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We're, we'll take care of that. You know? So yep. So, so that's definitely huge. And, and one mm -hmm. thing I'll say to that too is mm -hmm. where I do see some people get into some trouble with it is they'll they'll pick a subject they know nothing about and act like uh, they know something about it. Like mm -hmm. you never want to pick a subject that you don't know anything about. Like right, you know, like cucumbers for example. Uh -huh. Like <laughs> it's it's like okay, like my mom used to grow cucumbers in the garden. She'd make this salad. Like I can talk about that. But mm -hmm. I can't talk about like growing cucumbers because I didn't actually do it. So gotcha. I try to I try to figure out I, I I only try to talk about as much knowledge as I have attainable. Um, and if they want to go in depth on it, let them go in depth. But like I'm not going to act like I know how to grow cucumbers. Right. 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 Like I'll mm -hmm. continue talking about like man, like I'm so glad that you know how to grow cucumbers because I love cucumbers. I love eating cucumbers. But that's so cool that you have a passion for growing. I don't know anything about it. And I'll just tell them that like, I, we'll, I'd love to keep talking about it because I'm interested. But what I see a lot of people do is like, Oh yeah, I grow, I grow cucumbers too. And they're like, Oh really? <laughs> what kind of fertilizer do you use? And they're like, uh, the white, the white kind, Oh my God. white stuff. And it's like, it's like, you're going to, you're, you're going to wreck your report right off the top. If you exactly. try to be more knowledgeable than you are, like just talk about what the knowledge you have, right? Because if they are passionate about it, and you try to act passionate about it and you're not, and you don't have any knowledge that they're going to know. Oh and then, then it, then it becomes, it becomes a, a bad thing for you. It's not rapport building. Now they're like, this guy's a fraud. He's, you know, they, they start getting that feeling like he's going to try taking something from me. He's uh -huh. here about the land and, it, and it, this wall goes right back up and gets three times thicker. Right. You know? Right. Exactly. So, so whatever you talk about, make sure you have knowledge on it. You know what I mean? There you go. Like, I love it. Absolutely. And so now uh, going back to the, the wholesaling of land, what tools uh, would you recommend as far as software? Like what are some things that will make that the process easier or, you know, is needed? Uh, ask that question one more time. Sorry. Uh, yeah. So what type of software is needed when it comes to wholesaling land uh, okay. or uh, land and in, uh, investing? What, what tools would you recommend? Uh, there's an app that you can get on your phone. Probably mm -hmm. the most important app if you're going to do land that's mm -hmm. called land glide uh g-l-i-d-e um that app will show you parcels and the exact like placement of those par parcels now sometimes like they'll be shifted a little bit based on where they get getting their data mm -hmm. but you can go up to a property and with your gps on your phone you can stand there and be like okay this lot is approximately right here like this the edge of the lot's right here and then gotcha. I can walk hundred feet and this, the other edge is right here. Um, and just from a location base, like when you start looking at different things to have that capability is huge. Uh, plus it links to the County 
Uh, it'll give you estimated and calculated D to, you know, D to acreage gives you all this information. Um, gotcha. That's very much needed. And I think it's only like $9 a month or something. Like nice. To it. So it's a, it's a very cheap uh, way to start looking at parcel information. You get, you can get the phone number, you get the mailing address. I mean, it, it's basically pulling the County's records into one app and you can, gotcha. look at, you know, everything within that. So that's the first one. Um, uh-huh. Next thing is I'd get some sort of uh, professional type uh, comping tool. Um, if you're, if you're um, looking at like a a broader area, I would go get something like PropStream. Um, maybe Batch has something like it. Um, I, I love PropStream just because they have uh, estimated MLS data. Uh, uh-huh. um, they used to have uh-huh. actual MLS data. They had to pull that because of legal legality reasons. Right. Um, but like you, I can get, I can search anywhere and everywhere around the United States and pull information on land. And typically once I start really like looking into it, like deeply, you know, mortgage information, how much estimated mortgage they have on that piece of land. So if you're trying to offer 20,000 and they still have $45,000 in mortgage, like, uh-huh. you know, it's just not going to happen. Right. You know, right. Exactly. Um, uh, you can, you can look up the lot lines on prop stream. Um, not, not, not affiliated. I just love the app, you know, gotcha. Uh, there's a lot of information you can pull there. And then um, and then just the free ones too. Like I use uh, Zillow a lot, especially when I'm looking at lots. Um, and I'll, I'll go through like the history of when it last sold, um, start looking down like the deeper information like into Zillow. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll exit out, look at what's available on the market. Um, that's, that's a huge one people forget about. Like they'll be like, oh, there's, there's a bunch of lots that sold last year for 80,000 and you look on Zillow and they're all, there's a bunch more for 60,000 selling. Well, why is the guy going to buy your $80,000 lot over uh-huh. what's on market right now? Gotcha. Um, on bigger land, I'll use like land, uh, not land glide, um, lands of Texas or land.com. Um, they're kind of like a Zillow type site, but they're more focused on large acreage. Um, and I'll, you have to be careful there because they'll pull data from like 10 years back. So oh, you gotta wow. be careful on you know the sold the sold uh listings like they can go way back in time so you can be really off uh, i usually have to cross-reference that back to a prop stream or something to make sure i'm looking at the right date date ranges and stuff okay um hmm, what other some other ones um i think it's important to say like a lot of people ask me like how i find properties a lot of the uh-huh. properties that i find now is just through the content that I, like I have inbound stuff coming uh, in. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So I, I don't do a lot of like searching anymore. It's all like anal- analytical now. Um, gotcha. So if you like get into like what to use for texting, what to use for direct mail, like I really don't know anymore. Like I don't, I don't, I, don't, I really don't do it because all my stuff's inbound now. Gotcha. Um, so ex- explain that. So you're, so with your content, um, explain what, type of content uh you put up and how does that attract people to you yeah yeah no this this is a weird thing that just started happening like uh probably like nine months ago or uh-huh. maybe even eight months ago now um i put out i started putting out content on the like the lands that i was walking um even when i was still like getting mentored by tony uh, the guy down here in san antonio uh-huh. um we just go out to a 100 acre property and start videoing hey guys i'm out here 
I have it towards myself, have the phone towards myself. Hey guys, I'm out here looking at this property. They switched the camera around and I just kind of do a slow pan around the property. Uh, or there was something specific that was kind of cool. Like I had a video that had six and a half million views on it just because uh, I was, I point, we were at this pond. They had a fish, catfish in this pond um, at this ranch and it was uh, full of catfish. And I posted a video about it and it got six and a half million views. So wow. Okay. Yeah. Like just random. <laughs> like I had no idea. Like I was posting to, for my friends, not for, mm -hmm. you know, for the worldwide internet, but there um, you go. Um, yeah, so that's what I do, or I'll be at a property that we have under contract and I'll just be like, Hey guys, we're out here and I'll, I'm, I'll, I'll put a post, like I'm selling it. Like, like, uh, for example, Hey, you know, guys, we picked this lot up for, uh, 70,000. Um, we're looking to sell this one. Um, you know, it has water, has sewer, whatever it has. Right. Um, show them pictures of the property. And I'll post it. In the beginning, I was just kind of trying to do it more so like uh, kind of build authority um, uh -huh. on myself. Like I'm actually doing this. Like uh -huh. I'm not, it was more like, like probably like a, like a personal reason, like showing my friends that like, Hey guys, when I say I'm trying to buy land, I'm actually doing it. Right. Right. right <laughs> like I'm right. out of these properties, but it turned into a, the authority turned into Evans, the land guy. And Got it. Um, mm -hmm. people started coming to me and saying, Hey, I have this piece of property, uh, so-and-so it's, I have this lot. Can you help me sell it? And I'm like, you want my help? Um, and, and they're like, yeah, I see all your videos on Facebook and you're all over doing all these land things. And I'm like, like, yeah, I could help you, but I don't know why you're contacting me. Right, <laughs> right, 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 right. Uh -huh. So I started getting like a little taste of that, like nine months ago. Uh -huh. And, uh, I was like, I need to do more content. So, um, and, and then I got into wealthy creator, Ryan Pineda's, um, content, um, how to, how to do content like the right way. Mm -hmm. And then I'll, then I just even went more in depth on like giving people value. Like, here's what I'm thinking in my own head. Here's mm -hmm. the utilities I'm looking at. Here's how I find it. Here's what it looks like in my head on, on the screen, like that one video, uh... with, uh, all the utility lines running everywhere. Right. Um, I just posted the other day, like, this is what I'm seeing in my head. You know, this is what you need to be seeing. Um, and I just try to give value that way. And um, I'm not, I'm not even like looking for follows or likes or comments or anything like that. Like I, like Ryan's been teaching me, you got to do that stuff. Like it's going to help you grow. And I'm like, okay, I'll start doing it because mm -hmm. Ryan's telling me to, but that's not what I'm looking for. I'm just looking to give value because I know if I give enough value, people are going to naturally want my help on the other side. Gotcha. Right. Um, Absolutely. That's like when you asked me to do this podcast, I'm like, man, I've never done a podcast before, but I'd give awesome. it a shot because there you go. I love it. You know? I love it. So this is your first podcast. Yeah. First, like first oh, real podcast. Gotcha, <laughs> gotcha. I love it. I love it, man. I love it. So, so you're explaining, uh, and it's interesting that you're, uh, saying, okay, well, this is what I'm looking at. This is what it looks like in my mind. Uh, and this is what you, you all should be looking for. So yes. when it comes to, that like, are those the steps that you were just doing initially? Or was it a, you kind of showed uh, Ryan or his team like, Hey, this is my content. And they uh, just dissected it. And it was like, okay, you're doing good with this, add this, and this will take us to, to the next level. So what, are, what was that transition? Like from what yeah. you were doing to what you're doing now? Yeah. So a lot of the stuff they told me was kind of like editing tips and what's mm -hmm. uh, easy to watch. 
right? Like I'm, I'm, you just talk to me. I'm a kind of a stumbler in my words. Um, and you know, I have incomplete thoughts. So <laughs> I say, um, a lot, say Oz a lot. They're like, mm-hmm. edit that stuff out. Like people don't want to hear that, edit mm-hmm. that out. And then, you know, make your lighting better. Um, you know, if you're going to transition between clips instead of, you know, say, say I have a, you know, a phrase that I'm going to say, I talk about the first phrase and I forget what I was going to say. And then I have to re-record it and get the second part of that phrase in. Mm-hmm. Um, they said, zoom in on your face, create a different angle with that. Uh, and you'll see like a lot, like a lot of that in my videos where uh-huh. um, like the frame will change somehow, like in and out. Uh, when I'm talking about something important, it'll come towards my face. When I'm talking uh-huh. about something least important, it'll go back. Uh, the text that I overlay, you know, one of the big things their editors told me were was, you know, only highlight the words in red or green that are important. Like this lot's never going to sell. Highlight lot, never going to sell. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> you know, like right. make everything else white. So it's like a lot of like that kind of stuff that helped, you know, and um basically been in the course since oh for about about now been more than 90 days now maybe 100 days and i've had over like a million and a half views nice so, very nice so basically going from my friends to a million mm-hmm. and a half you know i love uh, it so I'm, I'm starting to get even more traction and more inbound leads through that just by people around the country now hey you want like today i got a, looked at a property in florida looked at three properties in texas um and these are all like deals that are already locked up. Uh-huh. They just ask for my help on them, you know, so I don't have to go cold call and talk to all these sellers on it. And, um, or are they asking, Hey, can you help me lock up this deal? You know, gotcha. what, what kind of, what kind of contract should I use? You talk about seller financing a lot. How do I sell or finance this? I'm like, well, let's look at the property first to make sure it's worth it. And then if right. it is, then we can go down that, down the track. And I try to be like cowboy hat, um, farm background like i'm just authentic and i'm not looking to hurt anybody right like, right a lot a lot of people out there just trying to take advantage of you i always tell people like bring a property to me i'll help you comp it and if you don't need my help that's fine like right it builds my understanding of that area and what values and stuff are going in that area like there's a lot of value in it for me uh just helping you comp it like take it on your own go do it yourself then like if that's what you want to do um like I'm never hurt by when people are like, I don't need your help on this any further. I'm like, okay, great. Like, gotcha. like I was happy to be part of the conversation and helping, you know, you to be successful. There you um, go. But you, you find a lot of people are just trying to grab all the value they can. Like, Oh, well, if I help you comp this, I have to take X percent of the deal. And I'm like, what is that? You know, like, right, right, right. Exactly. You know, like, don't do that. Like, I hate that. <laughs> mm-hmm. Exactly. So it's the, so the biggest thing is just, uh, from what you're saying is just providing value mm-hmm. uh, and your compensation really is just like, Hey, I got to help you. Now I know a little about a little bit about the area. And so now if I want to go into the area, it's a matter of, okay, I, now I know I got somebody that's boots on the ground and maybe we could partner yep. in the future on something. Yep. So, so I, I love it. Definitely love that. Yep. So if, if you can value add without extracting value from the other person, uh-huh. that's the best kind of value add you can do. I love it. All right. And so now when it comes to different people to follow on social media, Mm -hmm. uh, what are three people you would recommend uh, that we all follow on, on social media, whether it's for 
general content creation or you know land investing, whatever it is, where are the top three people you would recommend to follow? Man, Jerry Norton. I watched tons of his videos when I first first got start getting into doing real estate uh, generally. I mean, he doesn't mm-hmm. talk a lot about land. He talks a lot about houses, um, but the concepts were huge. I probably have watched over a hundred hours of his content. Mm-hmm. Um, so first and foremost, Jerry Norton. Mm-hmm. Um, Nick's, if I don't mention him, he's going to be mad at me. Ryan Pineda. There you <laughs> he's, go. <laughs> uh, we're, he's, uh, he, he is really good business minded, um, mm-hmm. really good in real estate, kind of, kind of broad, um, about business and real estate and everything has some really good programs, um, taught me a lot so far. And then, um, honestly, what I would do on the third one is find somebody local, you know, uh... they don't, they don't have to be the Jerry Norton, Ryan Pineda, uh, you know, master brain, but th- they're going to be a really good brain for your local market. And I always gotcha. say cost- concentrate on your backyard first. And then if, once you get good at that, then you can start going national. Right. I love or, it. Or even regional, but concentrate in your backyard, but find somebody that's doing something content. Um, mainly because they're if they're doing content, they they have to know a little bit. Right. right? Mm-hmm. And they're really good at marketing too. And that's really important when you start wholesaling properties, is you have to be good at both those things, knowledge and, and marketing. Gotcha. Um, but yeah, and, and that just that just goes, you know, wholesaling San Antonio, wholesaling Houston, wholesaling you know, wherever find you on on right. YouTube, you know, there you probably go. somebody watching this video right now. That's never heard of you. That just searched it, you know, start following you, you uh-huh. know, um, find somebody that's local that can help you and is willing to help you, you know? Gotcha. And so, uh, like I said, at the beginning, I found you on Facebook, uh, but I know you post on Facebook and Instagram. Do you post on YouTube as well? Uh, I need to, I have done a little bit. Um, uh-huh. YouTube is like a weird algorithm that really goes based off uh, of clicks and and subscribers. Uh, right. Where Instagram is going to show you the content whether you like it or not. Right. You know. Right, so right. yeah. So um, gotcha. I, I haven't I haven't broke through the YouTube yet. I've a couple mm-hmm. videos that go pretty you know a couple thousand views on it. Um, but it's really an eye catcher on YouTube. Like you got to be either well known or have a really good thumbnail. And gotcha. I just haven't figured that out yet. But gotcha. yeah. A uh, little bit on TikTok. Mm-hmm. Again, I I just like Facebook and Instagram. They've been yeah, so. Too. What would you say is the difference uh, in Facebook? So you're mainly Facebook and Instagram are, are your two main. Mm-hmm. So what have you found uh, to be the difference between the two as far as reach? And are you repurposing content to where you're making it? Uh, you know, the same content on both. Like, what 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 would you say is the difference between the two for you? I put the same video, put the same videos on all the platforms. So mm-hmm. I make one, one piece of content and then I'll post it. I mean, I should be posting on all platforms, but I'm posting it just mainly on Instagram and Facebook right now. Mm-hmm. Um, Facebook, I mean, they're owned by the exact same company, but they have a very different user base. Mm-hmm. Um, Facebook, you actually have a higher chance of going viral being unknown. Um, if you're talking about something very niche because somebody will see it and throw it into a Facebook group that has 50,000 viewers. Gotcha. Okay. All 50,000 of those viewers are going to see it and then they're going to share it as well. Like my most viral videos on Facebook have been shared into groups that are very niche down and then Uh get shared around from that group. Um, 
Instagram is more of like a younger crowd that wants heavy learning, right? Um, right. It's, if, if your content's good, it has really good watch time. Um, it will go successful because Instagram's Instagram's algorithm is, uh, the more watch time you have, the more engagement you have, the more we're going to share it with other people. Um, and it's not their decision to get shared with. They just, they're just going right. to scroll through their feed. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're, they're basing it off of their, that person's interest, um, and, uh, and your watch time. So, it, it's kind of you know it's kind of weird like i'll post one i'll take one piece of content and like in the past i'll throw it up on youtube instagram tiktok and facebook and that piece of content will go you know sixty thousand views on facebook five thousand views on instagram 300 on youtube you know uh-huh. 1200 on tiktok and then the very next video i do it would be completely opposite like <laughs> tiktok will do four hundred thousand. Facebook right, will do 300, right. you know, so you never know, like, and that's, that's the value of posting on all these different platforms is, is you never know where it's going to blow up. Gotcha. And, uh, and one, one share like is, is, as massive. Once you get that one share out of the way, um, and people see it's, it's been shared one time, um, um, they'll, they'll start sharing it like crazy. So like, tell your friends to start sharing your content, like, Hey, please share. Like I just need, I just needed to say eight shares and it'll blow up because now people are like, well, somebody else liked it. I, I, I must have to like it too. Right. <laughs> <laughs> gotcha. Gotcha. Makes you know, sense. Somebody makes else sense. already shared this. I can share it too with my friend. Like, it's like, it's like, uh, what is it? It's like, uh, oh shoot. I was trying to think of the analogy. It's, it's like when like you ask, there's like a study where they asked a bunch of people, um hmm i kind of brain fart there uh so they asked a bunch of people you know a question do you like red or blue and they put them in a room and it was about 50 50 well they put all these people together in a room and they asked them the same question do you like green or orange and the first guy said green and the next guy's like you know i like green too and then after that it was green 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 mm. green 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 you know because right. everybody else likes it now i i kind of am com- compelled to like it so the more engagement you get on your content uh-huh. whether it's shares or likes or comments it it provides that well other people like it too so i want to like it mindset it. right i like that so that's why i always say yeah. like tell your friend tell eight friends to always share your content uh-huh. and it you have a way, way higher chance of going viral because now the the random is like, well, eight other people shared it with their friends. I can share with mine too. There you go. I like that. I like that. That's a good idea. I was actually, so I was taking this course from uh, Nehemiah Davis. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, he talks about Instagram and he has courses that, that shows how to uh, further your reach. And one of the tips that he had in his course was that to where you would have, uh, he says he doesn't normally, uh, he doesn't do this anymore. But at the very beginning, he would have a group of friends and say, hey, let's go ahead. And whenever each one of us posts something, we all share uh, to get that instant engagement because of like what you're just saying. Uh, and yep. so I, I think that's that's very interesting. All right. And well, then, so mm-hmm. and then also the the more niche you can be, like if you can have 80 of your friends that are in real estate share it and you also share all their content, mm-hmm. it's getting shared with people that is your target niche. 
and that are more likely to watch watch it longer, which right. helps your watch time. I mean, versus like sharing it with your friend that makes cookies. Like yeah. <laughs> her followers don't care about your real estate content. And it's, right, it might right. actually even hurt your watch time, which is going to hurt you. But if you can narrow in that niche, right. Like, those are, those are powerful connections to make. Gotcha. I love it. All right. And so now at this point of the podcast, we have our lightning round. So oh God. Uh, with these, <laughs> they're going to be, a, a, some of them are a little bit more serious. Some of them are, are a bit, you know, uh, goofier, but um, I like to, to ask these questions. Uh, and just the first thing that come to mind just, you know, share those and you don't got to put a whole bunch of deep thought into it. Just, just let it rip uh, on these. All right. All right. So, uh, the first one is if he had to eat one cut of beef for the rest of your life, what would it be? Ribeye. Ribeye. Easy. Ribeye. Easy. Yeah. Well, why ribeye? It's the best cut. Hey, I'll, I'll take it. I'll take it. All right. Cool. So uh, next question. Uh, in your backyard, would you rather have a giant trampoline or a giant slip and slide? Giant slip and slide. Every time. Gotcha. Every time. No question. Okay. <laughs> All right. So next one. Uh, would you rather have the ability to talk to every animal uh, uh, or would you rather have the ability to speak to every plant? Oof. I, I have to go with animal. Gotcha. Okay. I'm an animal. I'm an animal lover to the core. Gotcha. Gotcha. Good deal. All right. And so I guess I know, I know I said lightning round, but I thought this question was interesting. I thought about what would it be like to actually speak to a tree that's been around for thousands of years. And I'm like, you know what? Like, I would love to just like, just sit down, like, like, tell me what was it like a thousand years ago? Like what changes have you seen? Uh, Is like, is the pollution really that bad? Like, do you notice a difference? (laughs) Like, you know, so is global uh, warming real? (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. All right. And so, uh, it's been hot as fuck. Nice. All right. And then last question. All right. If you could send a video to your 18 year old self and it's only five seconds long, you can't go above this. What would you say and why? Oh man, this isn't going to be lightning at all. Five <laughs> seconds, huh? Five seconds. Mm. Anything over five seconds, it just gets cut off. So the message has to make sense. Oh, wow. Uh, man. Uh, Save more money. Gotcha. Hey, there you go. <laughs> you know, that, no, no explanation. Just say, save more money. Uh, yes. time up. Save that gotcha. money. Gotcha. All right. Awesome. But hey, thank you so much, Evan. You 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 taught me a lot. You taught everyone else uh, that's watching this. You taught them a ton of information. Uh, the folks that's watching the actual video, uh, you guys are able to see uh, his screen share and, you know, seeing different items that he's talking about, uh, the markers for, uh, gas lines that's going through, like he, he taught a lot of information. So Evan, if, if, uh, people want to follow you, where can they follow you on your social media platforms? Uh, so Instagram, Evan price, uh, WFA and WFA stands for wealth for all, um, uh, Facebook, I believe I'm at Facebook dot com slash price dot asset um with price asset group is a company one of my companies um uh i i most of most of everything is evan price wfa i'm trying to convert everything there so if you just search mm-hmm. that you'll find me most places 
Evan Price, WFA, and it stands for Wealth for All. Yep. Gotcha. I love it, man. But hey, Evan, thank you so much, man. I appreciate you. Uh, and uh, we we should be doing some business soon. We we, we definitely got to do something, man. So thank you Heck so yeah. much. I got, I got some lots over there in Houston. So we'll gotcha. have to talk Wait, about what part this. of Houston? What part of Houston? Uh, kind of northeast of downtown and the northwest of downtown. I actually have a house over. You do houses? I do houses. Yeah. Okay. We got we got a house over there in uh, Greater Greater Houston Heights. Gotcha. We'll, we'll, we'll talk. Yeah. We'll, we'll wrap All this right. podcast up and then we'll start talking. But thank y'all so much for watching and uh, we'll see you at the next one. All right. All right. Thank you for listening to the Your First Steps podcast. Let us know what you thought about this episode by leaving a review. And don't forget to subscribe.